Why sit in traffic when you can ride transit? With improved service on the Metro and fare-free rides on Dash, traveling in and around the Capital Region has never been easier. Did you know that you can map your commute around the DMV using any mode of public transit? Yellow Line service is back on track in Alexandria with a new stop at the Potomac Yard VT Metro Rail Station. Getting around Northern Virginia has never been easier. Leave the car keys and stress at home and hop on a train, bus, or bike. Plan your trip at NovaRides.org. In today's episode, I'm joined by Sammy Cooper. Sammy is a sports nutrition specialist that focuses on bridging the gap between the sports science of working with athletes and gem pop and body image, because those two aren't separate things. And in today's conversation, we're going to be talking about all things low energy availability, making sure you're consuming enough food to fuel your training and why it's super important to kind of not overtrain and not underconsume. Carbs in particular is going to be a big focus on for us and loads of awesome actionable takeaways on all things body image. So you can kind of focus on your health and fitness, but without it maybe becoming too much of a chore. Um, and something that actually starts to negatively impact your life which is definitely a problem I'm seeing with a lot of clients where unfortunately their health and fitness journey is is not really adding too much it's starting to become a bit negative and that's obviously not what we want so Sammy thank you so much for being here today and um, I look forward to kind of getting into all of that with you. Thanks for having me I'm excited. Yeah, it's cool. This is a really important episode because we both work with uh, fairly similar clients and we're kind of seeing some fairly consistent problems in the industry and females in particular, aren't we, in terms of underfueling, overtraining, uh, body image issues. So obviously there's lots there to lots there to unpack, which makes it a really important episode. So yeah, I I thank you for being here and I I look forward to kind of getting into that with you. So we need to get this message out to to more girls. Yeah, 100%. So much to get into. So obviously there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, you probably have got the better idea of me than kind of what this problem is and where this problem stemmed from. So why don't you start by just kind of explaining to, to the viewers, like, what what is this issue that we're seeing at the moment in the industry? Why has it maybe become a little bit more prevalent over the last few years? And uh, where do you think maybe that's that stemming from? So I guess there's this societal ideal of a certain body type. And whether it's before it was kind of like the skinny ideal, um, thin was better. Now it's moved a little bit more to like a curvier female figure and kind of more of an athletic one to be fair um so it's almost as if we've like moved the goalpost from from one to the other and although it seems like the other where we are now is more of a of a healthy one because it's one that involves training and you actually probably have to fuel yourself a little bit better in order to to kind of do that but it's almost gone to the extreme of I guess the underlying tone is still there of of aesthetics is kind of the the main focus and sure there might be some like of course enjoyment of training along there but to the extreme of some people use it as literally just a tool to, to manipulate like body composition, really going after it and really falling in love with training, which is always fantastic. But to the point where people are training so much and doing so many different types of things to partly because they enjoy it. But also, I think there is still just this underlying like now the athletic figure. I did. I have a client who's called it like I think it was like the X figure. So like broader shoulders, yep. small waist, um, like bigger bum, bigger legs. Um, which was like the first time I'd heard of heard that but it kind of kind of makes sense like if you think about an athletic figure um and that's kind of where where people are striving for and I also think I think part of it is also like hustle culture and people wanting to excel in like multiple areas of their life and thinking that like more is better uh I think that's such a yeah a big part of it yeah with that hustle I think that's that's really true I never really noticed that until recently where it's like think girls in particular maybe feel a bit of a pressure to succeed in kind of multiple areas including like athletic pursuits Mm. even if it's not their full-time career so yeah why do you think that's maybe changed a little bit more over the last few years or why do you think that's become so prevalent yeah I don't know I think I guess the this the stereotypical female role would have been from well the classic like in the kitchen looking after the kids and I think as that stereotype is being broken and like glass roofs are being smashed in like professional lives and just in in life in general um it, and I guess in the, in the sporting world as well you, even looking at like the sporting industry how men's like men's football men's rugby is it's just a lot higher than than females and I think as these like boundaries are being broken um I think that's probably part partly the reason is like females like we can actually like we can do this we can I can be a girl boss do whatever I want a little badass bitch um and people people go for it and with the creation of just loads of different exciting things whether that's why I guess female participation in sport massively drops off at the age of 13 and so interesting 
and even now I th- there's there's very few women that are in kind of team sports and so I think now that these are becoming a lot more accessible things like CrossFit general functional fitness and and the gym is becoming more more popular and probably more cool as well um people are moving from team sports into into these so whether they'd gone from not really doing much sport growing up um and are now kind of finding these new outlets um that likely helps with body composition but also just like mindset and and feeling good when they're training um and I I wonder that's what almost like the new team sport is with with more like individual stuff and then of course you still get like high rocks and lots of other bits and bobs that are a, a team stuff and it's just a way of females getting back into um training which is is amazing obviously it's, it's fantastic mm. um as long as it doesn't go kind of to the extreme where i think we've we kind of started started seeing for sure um i never really thought about where it all comes from but i reckon there's there's probably something in that yeah have you seen kind of an increase like post covid in more people wanting that community and therefore an uptake in kind of crossfit box or like f45 style classes and gyms as yeah. a way of finding that that community i think so like it it makes sense from people having to like do their hour of exercise outside on their own or like a little hit class in their in their living room or kitchen it makes sense that, i mean as as humans we we crave like other people as from an evolutionary standpoint it, it kind of makes sense so I, I think it probably isn't it would be interesting like really cool to see the statistics on that on on like and i guess crossfit as a sport has massively grown boxes opening up like everywhere um and i think that probably is a big part of it of of people maybe for some it was their opportunity to actually fall in love with with exercise um when no one like if you're on furlough if you didn't have much to do that was a great opportunity to like dip your toe in and then when things got busy and you're going back to the gym and it's like it, it becomes harder when you're you're training on your own or if it's not as convenient then it's stuff like f45 where you can book in and you get that bit of accountability you get the camaraderie of, of other people and it becomes so much more than than just the training and then the, the exercise that you're doing you get so much more out of it so i reckon yeah it, it probably has increased since since covid i mean that obviously sounds all really positive there's a lot of really great things there i think social media often gets kind of bashed a bit doesn't it we talk about the negatives but one thing it has done is kind of make training and functional fitness and strength training cool in females which is amazing um but it's not all positives though is it there is a few kind of like issues going on at the moment in the industry so talk Mm. to me a little bit about the underfueling um the the overtraining and the yeah Mm. that, that kind of problem it's definitely something i see a lot more now with just gen pop i think historically it would have been for a lot of like elite athletes who are in the top of their game um like definitely more so in like endurance endurance sports um and just seeing this low energy availability but i think now with the popularity of training and aesthetics still being like a, a big focus with with elites you you get aesthetics like as, as less of a thing um but i think now with that still being around and with an increase in training and increase in output we are definitely starting to see reds as, as more of a, a common thing like well ultimately driven by um overtraining and and under consuming and actually uh there's been some more recent research around that it's not necessarily just about a low energy diet actually low carb um and how carbohydrates i think we kind of knew carbohydrates were important but it has just proved that actually um carbohydrates are hugely important when it comes to low energy availability and and the impacts that it has on on that not just about necessarily the, the calories themselves um and good old diet culture has has exiled so many different things fats micro um carbohydrates all that kind of stuff and so yeah we're with with carbs still being demonized i think we're we're continuing to see it more and then of course with the overtraining side of it where someone might be dipping their toe into crossfit they're also training for a marathon um and i'm solid chance it might be a coach as well uh or they're just in another kind of uh, a fast-paced job that might have them on their feet a lot so their their energy output is a lot their stress levels are a lot and they're ultimately just trying to to do so many things all at once um that just kind of comes back to to bite me in the ass yeah um let's for, for anyone that, that doesn't know um let's get a definition on, on reds if that's okay like what kind of is energy de- um, deficiency what kind of numbers are we looking at and, and what kind of carb intakes should these people be be aiming for yeah so i guess so low energy availability so energy availability is when you take so the amount of energy you have left over once exercise is completed so of course if you're if you are training loads your energy output is going to be considerably more so you're, you're likely left with less energy availability and that energy is the the energy we need to like regulate a menstrual cycle um i mean it still happens in, in guys but like sex hormones and um like hair skin nails uh we start to see kind of bone mineral density decrease uh so risk of stress fractures and stuff like that start to increase um 
and so that that's what we're kind of at risk of and it's not necessarily just a, an acute thing it can happen and, and can impact you for for years to come um i was speaking to someone the other day who uh i think she she whether she had an official eating disorder i'm not actually sure um but she definitely ha- definitely had disordered eating and was in like a bad place a few maybe five i think maybe even seven years ago and recently had a stress fracture and she was told that it was likely because of, of back then when, when it and that was a good few years ago um so yeah it's it's a hugely important thing that ultimately comes from overtraining, undereating, and can have just a massive impact for 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 anyone. Um, yeah. And where should someone kind of aim to be if they're a female listening and they're training? How many times per week? What kind of rough formulas can we use to give someone an idea of where they should be at? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a good question. Of, of course, it's going to differ from person to person, but a really simple one is to times your body weight by twenty two. And then if you times that by, so your physical activity level, so as a kind of a ballpark, I'd say times it by 1.3 is probably equivalent to about 10,000 steps. And I would generally look at steps and general activity levels outside of exercise first. So just generally looking at how sedentary you are. So if you're someone who's doing like 8,000, I'd maybe times it by 1.2-ish. Less than you're really going to go a little bit less up to kind of 1.4, 1.5 if you're at the like 15,000 mark. So that will get your energy expenditure without exercise um for females i would usually add on if someone is training five times a week i'd probably add on maybe like 300 calories it's probably relatively um well it kind of depends what what style of training they're doing um yeah that's probably a rough formula that i'd go with um but the harris benedict is we'll get a little bit more specific with height um in there but that's a really quick easy one just just throwing numbers out there 22 times body weight in kilograms or pounds yeah, kilograms yeah, yeah. um yeah, that's a solid place to start, but the Harris Benedict will give you a little bit more. Um, plenty of calorie calculators out there. Figure out your maintenance. Um, I think often people will use their like Apple Watches, Garmin, stuff like that, general just activity trackers to, to gauge how many calories they're burning. Um, but particularly Apple Watches, I was reading, looking at a study the other day, and it's they're basically just inconsistently like inaccurate. They're, they're really good for tracking steps and pretty accurate with heart rate as well, actually. But for like measuring energy expenditure, it's just not accurate. And it's, it's not even like, oh, they always overestimate. Sometimes it's underestimate. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, that's where I guess numbers probably don't paint a, a, a massive picture because there's so much. And often as well, like the more you do, the, the less you'll start to, or your, your body will naturally try to reduce its energy expenditure elsewhere. So you might start to move your arms less when you're walking, um, sit down more. And they're just subconscious things that, from an evolutionary standpoint of view, um, our bodies will try and conserve as, as much energy as possible. So, yeah, I think being realistic with the amount of training that you're doing and asking yourself, right, how am I, how are my stress levels? How is my sleep? How do I have any niggles going on? Um, how is my, my body recovering? Uh, all of these signs can be that you're, well, good indicators of, of whether you're eating enough or, or not um yeah that's a, a rough place to start but ultimately i think monitoring all of those things is probably going to be the the biggest thing i'm never one to get get bunged down in numbers yeah um you don't need to be tracking um you can do if, if you want to and if it's helpful um but yeah it's definitely not a necessity yeah i think that the likelihood of doing that formula and it not being more than you're consuming is obviously quite quite low for, for most females. So yeah. more food is, is probably going to be a good idea. But you, you kind of um, touched on it a little bit then, the whole kind of adaptive metabolism thing. I think that's something I'd love to get into for a few minutes because, so for a bit of context on this, I had a you know, girl that I'm friends with, she was working with a different coach. This coach, you know, did his calculations. I think it was 2,100 calories, 2,200 calories. Mm-hmm. Cool, that looks great on paper. He obviously hadn't kind of understood this, fact that metabolism does adapt to being in a calorie deficit and didn't appreciate that she was genuinely on 1400 calories per day either didn't understand that or just didn't believe that she was genuinely eating that little and she gained like 26 pounds in in not that long Mm -hmm. and uh obviously that is you know she she wasn't uh underweight so it's not like she necessarily needed to gain weight she had Mm -hmm. just like yeah body was beat up you know plateaued it's time to go back up in calories but because that metabolic adaptation wasn't taken into account and we uh, there was a big jump that was made she's obviously gained a lot of weight has then become very unhappy and of course that's not what any girl wants to see on on the scale i'm not saying that you should be using the scale but of course a lot of people will jump on it so for any girls listening that that have like okay i'm i'm you know i'm doing this this calculation i'm I'm doing this number it's coming out at you know 2000 whatever that seems like a massive jump from the number that i've been at 
um, yeah, what is metabolic adaptation and how would someone maybe navigate, maybe navigate that so that they don't gain um, more weight than they need to when building their calories back up? Yeah, so it, it basically happens when you have been in an energy deficit, like your your body then acknowledges that there's yeah less energy available and, and starts to just to slow things down to, to to preserve conserve as much energy as possible um so to be fair and i guess from a scientific point of view the research suggests that it's actually not a great deal like for some people it might be 100 calories maybe 200 some people even less so i think again from a practical standpoint the best thing to do is actually just monitor it and this is something i think is probably the most underrated thing is actually just spending like a good few weeks just investigating what you're doing like okay right i'm gonna i'm gonna eat it number it is i'm gonna i'm gonna monitor um how i react in terms of like how does my body react if we're looking at body composition goal how does it react how does it make me feel how does it make me interact with other areas of my life how easy is it and then that's a really good starting point but i think the classic society of, of we want we want quick results we want things now um that we just rush that bit massively and so that's definitely something i do with clients of this discovery phase where we actually don't really change that much to be fair realistically we probably don't change that much but they will look and see that we are changing a fair bit because if i was to say right we're going to do four weeks of not doing anything they're obviously not there's going to be minimal Mm buy-in so there's there will be things that we do but still prefacing that as okay right actually this is where we learn. This is where we see what's going on right now. And from then, then we can start to change stuff. So whether it had been two, three weeks and you've started to increase, you started to, to put on body fat, then we're like, okay, I'm, I'm probably in an energy surplus. Okay, uh, where could I reduce these calories then? My, that's where I'm going to do it. I'm going to I'm going to decrease that. And now I'm going to monitor it again. So it's, again, it's a long process. And when people want the quick fixes, I think that's when it's so important to, to build rapport with clients and to, to, to trust that process of being like, right, this is going to be a long term thing then, particularly if it sounds like it's, if it's been on a journey where they've been on lower calories before. Um, it needs to be probably more of a gradual thing to make it a sustainable thing. And fair play, there might be some who actually, it doesn't need to be a, a sustainable thing if they're, whatever reason that might be, usually it's just like a, a weight kind of making sport um but even then it's probably slightly questionable but so yeah that's a long answer to actually just monitor it and and see how you go um and see how see how your body reacts yeah no perfect you've got to be curious don't you and be your own your own best scientist for sure exactly 100 percent curiosity be curious is definitely a big one like a, a buzzword a bingo word that i say all the time that curiosity intent trial error compromise those are probably the few things that I say on repeat all the time with my clients like can you just think of something else no <laughs> no that's it <laughs> just do those things in your grand um elaborate on the elaborate on the last one elaborate on compromise if, if that's okay so let's go so so let's go for a body composition goal we'll, we'll, we'll say that's that I mean that's often often the the case for a lot of people um so trial and error you try something it doesn't work you try something else Okay, it doesn't work. Maybe we try something that that does work. Okay, actually, no, I'm, I'm going to give a better example. So this is, um, I mean, I'd say I've been working on this example for the last two weeks. Um, I, I say it a lot, and so I call it like the Dars of life, right? So we're here in a podcast studio. Next to us, there's a um, the roadcaster with all the little dials that you can turn up, you can turn down. Each one of those dials is an area of your life, right? So you might have a nutrient one, you might have a um, convenience one, you might have a, a money, you might have career um and there might be times in your life or or meals in your life literally breaking it down to certain situations where you're maybe you're um like we're in London now maybe you're you've just finished work you've got um like a client dinner to go to um or drink something like that and you've got two minutes to go and grab something so convenience we have to turn that dial up right and it might be that actually around us is really not that much available so we have to turn the maybe it's the like nutrient density down but actually if we're looking for this um, like if we want to be in a calorie deficit, maybe it's not the most nutrient dense thing, but we can keep that calorie dial turned down. It might be that if we do that in the long run, we're going to leave us with like not getting in the nutrients that we need. So the compromise might be next time, right? I'm going to turn the nutrient dial up and it might be that I turn the calorie dial up. So it ends up being a little bit more, but I've still got that convenience there. So it's, it's understanding in certain situations, if you try something that doesn't work, there might be a compromise. That's a bit of a, a more complicated example. But if, if we take it back to, I've had this conversation with loads of people, um, often have it with myself, had it with my mum, Greek yogurt, right? Often the holy grail of, of Instagram. Greek 0% Greek fat yogurt is like, 
I've seen it so much. Weetabix, it's like the most versatile thing, right? So you get you get zero percent, you get five percent fat Greek yogurt, you get ten percent. It might be that you you enjoy you enjoy Greek yogurt, but you don't like the taste of the zero percent one. But you love and you'd usually have the 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 ten percent or the full fat one. Um, but actually, you're trying to achieve this this calorie deficit, and you know that it's probably not the most helpful thing. Um, it's it's pretty energy dense, and you don't get that much volume. Whereas the the zero percent, you get way more. Um, a little bit more protein, but actually you just don't like it. So the compromise is the 5%. So you might have done the zero, you didn't like it. 10%, you know, it's not great for your goal. So you compromise at the five. That was a much simpler way of saying it. But I've been working on my little analogy and literally it's so perfect to have this here. You can actually <laughs> visualize the dials. Um, that was dreamy. Yeah. No, that, that was great. I hadn't really, yeah, I hadn't really thought of it that way in kind of a, a dial. But yeah, that's whether we're talking about individual foods, the meal or the bigger picture goal, I guess, of like trying to achieve different things, which sometimes don't always happen ideally at the same time. Yeah, 100%. And we like mentioned it briefly when we were off air and, and you can look at the dials of life, literally career, training, nutrition. A lot of the time people want their dials up all the way, right? But if we bring it back to like producing a, a podcast, if all the dials are up, it's going to end up shit, right? So you, some of them you need to turn down and it might be that if you've got a super busy period at work, you might have to turn down your training dial. And we're trying to we're trying to be a CrossFit athlete. We're trying to run a marathon. We're trying to excel in all of these areas. We can't have all those dials up all the time and actually just acknowledging that we're going to have to turn them down at some point. We're going to, if we want to do well in, in all of them or at least one of them, we're going to have to turn down some. We're going to have to rest. We're going to have to dial training back um, in order to, to get the greatest output, to get the, the, the greatest overall final product um that's that's definitely something that we're going to have to do and I think that's where a lot of people fall short is is being okay with with turning those dials down and accepting that we can't train multiple times a week multiple days multiple times a day even and go out and get your promotion now your family life your social life the relationships do everything um and not burn yourself out yeah how do you get clients to to kind of understand that or is that something that you think you know as a coach we can't really help with the client either kind of understands that or or they don't or yeah it's a, it's a good question and I think you can judge the person like you, you can judge their personality and see what you think is going to be best for them there's there's definitely times probably in my like early coaching career where you can easily see what someone needs to do and you try and get them to do it and they just wouldn't but actually being able to read them and understand the person that they are. Some people might be okay with like, right, this is what I'm, I need to do. Um, if someone's got them, if, if I'm there telling them to do something, they'll, they'll do it. Other people might be more resistant or you're, they're not the right kind of personality to, to do that. And so you kind of, you go with, I guess another example is um, if I've got a, a performance client with, with these people who are training loads and loads and they want to know about supplements straight away, right? Like that's, that's often the place because they're cool, they're fun. But we need to like nail loads of the basics. But to get some buy-in, I'll often like give them uh, vitamin D, omegas, creatine. That's probably where we start. They get a little bit of buy-in, and then further down the line, you can bring stuff in. Same goes for this. Like you give them a little bit of kind of what they want. You let them do their thing, and then actually get to the point where they trust you enough. You've built that rapport with them that you can have that conversation. Equally, it might be that there's a bit of trial error and compromise. They do it. They realise that actually this is shit, I can't do this. You almost have to have that, like, not lowest point, but you have to have something that makes you realise. And there'll be some people that, yes, you're there to coach them, but they're still not quite willing to accept that. And so Mm. they have to go on that journey, as you kind of say. And you're just there to support them at each point. And then it's not like a, hey, told you so. Again, maybe it is. Maybe you have that relationship where you can be like, (laughs) joke's on you. Um, But for most people, yeah, it's it's just supporting them at at each point and um, being there when they do have that realisation and... Yeah, if, if you end up saying the same thing over and over again, it's probably not getting in. And it's, yeah, you, you just got to try try something new. Hmm. How would you set up a diet phase for a female client that does have a, a fat loss goal? They're like, I want to lose a little bit of body fat. Um, they're not, you know, massively overweight. They're maybe even in a healthy-ish range of body fat, but they just want to get a little bit leaner. But they are trying to crank those other dials up. They are, they don't see themselves as an athlete, mm-hmm. but they are definitely training like one. They maybe even do have some competitions coming up, whether that's a half marathon, a high rocks, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, they're trying to still have a social life. They're trying to push their, their career and study or, or work hard as well. What does that kind of look like? Like what practical tips can you give someone for setting up that dieting phase? So... I'd, I'd start off as I kind of mentioned like the discovery phase of it, it's obviously going to also depend on their like um like dieting background whether they have tried to lose weight previously or if they haven't um mainly because people who have will have some preconceptions of what dieting looks like 
Um, some people who haven't ever done it before, it's their first time doing it. Often you can get into it like much faster because they don't, they're not like emotionally tied to any kind of diet or, or anything like that. You can kind of just crack on and educate as you go. Um, but for most people, they have realistically anyone, well, a lot of people looking for fat loss. I actually don't think I've ever had a female fat loss client who hasn't tried to lose fat before. I've definitely had guys, but, but definitely not females. So um, understanding where they've come from, I think is going to be a really helpful place to start. So f- so for you, analysing what potential biases you might have if you're about to start a new phase, like what have you done before? What's mm. What worked? What didn't work? Why did it work? Why did it not work? So you're going into it in a, in a good, I guess, a non-biased approach. Um so even if it's like a week of just doing what you're doing now and, and, and seeing, but also just having a little bit of awareness and starting to understand why. And, and that's a big part of how we do things is I will start to unpick the why with, with a client of maybe they, they do X habit at X time. Like, is it an actual habit? Is it um, like an emotional thing? Is it for, for all these other reasons? And understanding the why, then it might put you in a better place to understand where we can do things differently and, and, and give you some scope to, to tweak things um because if we just throw into like right right this is why this is where i am now i've calculated my calories i'm just going to crack on there's a solid chance that things might not go the way you, you want them to because you're kind of just putting a plaster on it you're putting a band-aid on of on kind of unhelpful habits so if you start to learn what those unhelpful habits are you're in a better position to to tweak them and then ultimately make it sustainable so i'd start off with the discovery phase um i say kind of monitoring is doing it from a probably reflective practice that's generally how I monitor stuff with clients um and asking them like what what's going to be a helpful place to start but and and again each individual will have previous experiences where maybe they are they don't like stepping on the scale maybe they're happy to um and so figuring out what's what's best for you but doing more of a holistic approach like how how stressed do I feel how is this impacting my my ability to just like live life and doing monitoring through like a reflective practice whether that's a weekly thing like almost imagine like you would have a coach whether you do that like journaling on a Sunday or maybe it's a daily practice whatever that looks like um yeah will be will be super helpful the next part is probably the most underrated part and definitely something I do a lot more now and people are often quite hesitant to do it because it's it's kind of scary but like periodizing fat loss and that could literally be two three four weeks in a deficit in a fat loss phase and then having like a week or a few days, whatever that's going to look like for the individual at maintenance. That means you, particularly if you're someone who is doing multiple things, your training output is pretty high. It one just first allows you to resaturate glycogen stores. So eating carbohydrates. So when we're looking at maintenance, ideally we want that to come from mainly from carbohydrates to resaturate our glycogen stores to the how we store carbohydrates in our muscles. That's going to be helpful from a performance standpoint. So it doesn't just start to wind down and training just kind of plateau and start to, to dip. So that's helpful. It also gives you that psychological break of, right, I'm, I'm not dieting. But also, I guess it's very easy for that to be like, well, it can be like a fuck it week. Um, to be fair, I generally don't actually see that that much, but I think it's probably because they have the buy-in of, right, this is how we're going to do things. So just holding yourself accountable, like, right, I know I'm going to eat a little bit more, but it's not just me, like, right, I'm going to go eat out every single day. Um, and so that that's helpful from that, like, just a diet break point of view. Potentially metabolic adaptation, but probably it's not going to have a, a massive... Um, role to play um, but also if we're looking for this kind of sustainable approach having a week at maintenance means you know what maintenance is going to feel like because I'm sure you see it all the time with clients that like people who have yo-yo dieted before maybe they're with another coach they did really well they lost loads of weight and then like they're with you now because they kind of put it all back on so we obviously want to be able to, to avoid that so having a week at maintenance like throughout the whole process allows them to realize right this is what maintenance feels like this is what it's like to not be in a calorie deficit and to have a little bit more food available to me um and that's a hugely helpful thing from a sustainability point of view but probably one of the most underrated things mm-hmm. that i don't think a lot of people will, will do again because it's just a scary thing and it, it seems like you're moving further away from your goal but like you're just putting the brake on a real like you're not you're not moving further away it's just pausing it a little yeah. bit which ultimately in the long run is going to be helpful Allows you to move forward more yeah. yeah do you ever see repeat i see this quite a bit where people really struggle with diet breaks they need to feel like i'm on plan right yeah. they need to feel like it's a bit rigid they need to feel like it's almost a bit difficult yeah and if they don't feel like that then they it's just like fuck it right yeah so do you, do you ever see that where people actually struggle with like a controlled maintenance diet week definitely uh, yeah and, and a lot of people do um because i think particularly with the training side of it it's easy to train hard right and i think again hustle culture is like yeah must train super hard all the time um and instagram makes it look that way for sure they might apply that into 
their like career as well and they're someone who's really really driven but actually when we look at nutrition like we eat three plus times a day multiple times a day and have done for literally forever um and so you naturally just can't apply that to nutrition you can't do it it doesn't work so completely understand why people want to do it but actually just explaining that it's it's not going to be helpful and equally just being like well why don't you just give it a go give it a go for a week what's the worst that can happen like realistically nothing and again it's the, the trial and error and compromise maybe they do it and they see that it's actually okay maybe they, they realize that there are a few parts that they were like fuck it i'm gonna eat whatever i want to eat and they're like okay cool we have a learning point here um and and go through the like living in the gray area for just the all or nothing of nutrition just rarely ever works and i i now work with like a fair amount of, of ex-athletes as well who have maybe been in a professional um setup um whether that was years ago a few years ago whatever and now they're are just back in gen pop but they've still got that athlete mentality um and and it doesn't have to just be athletes i think so many of us do have any anyone who's kind of a high performer often has a all or nothing mentality um and it just doesn't work because you can't be all all the time and if you're not all then you're nothing so actually just living in that gray area is where you see yeah the the most kind of beneficial and i think it comes back to the trial and error compromise situation you just got just got to give it a go be curious with it oh there we go on the bingo one (laughs) um and and yeah and just 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 see how you go when you're working with clients and you're trying to get them to kind of understand that do you find sometimes they have to have a a diet break week here diet break week there like is there a few times where they essentially fail at this before they start to understand it and 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 get to kind of that buy-in yeah yeah there's it it again classic trends on the client um and there might be some way you can do it tactically like maybe they go on holiday and it makes sense to have Mm. a maintenance weekend um and that helps them with a little bit more flexibility um but yeah I, I definitely see it where people you actually look at it and they they think they're at maintenance week and then you get into it and they're like oh they're still eating like minimal um and it's it's I guess it's never a case of judgment and you and I'll, I'll always understand like probably why they've done it and and I again will always like to build rapport with someone to have that honest conversation and for for them to acknowledge that okay no I didn't and, it, and it's fine like it's completely okay um maybe we'll give it a go another time maybe we'll try next week and, and see how that goes um and it's it's just and I guess if you're if someone who is doing this on their own is being able to hold yourself accountable to it, um, maybe you have a pal who's doing the same thing. Maybe maybe that's a helpful way of doing it. And and just seeing okay, we're both going to have a week of maintenance. And and just opening up that dialogue of I'm actually struggling with this a little bit. I'm finding it hard to eat a little bit more. Um, and then okay, right, if I'm struggling to finding it hard to eat a little bit more now, this is just prefacing what the rest of my life is going to be like. So understanding that and like right, I'm going to do it now because it's going to help me in the long run and accept that it's going to be difficult and almost from a from the high performance mindset of like it must be all all the time like it must be hard right this is the hard change that like just reframe it in your mind right the challenge now is doing this like it's not me going the other way the challenge isn't being in the in a deficit the challenge here is actually being at maintenance and reframing it and for a lot of people who are like have a high performance um, mindset or are competitive just gamifying stuff is a super helpful way of doing it and and yeah it often often works pretty well i love that i've never thought to say that to the client like okay this is the challenge now like the challenge that you almost enjoyed and got excited for was the fact that it was a little bit difficult to stick with this deficit in a way um so now yeah here it is it's just a new challenge yeah yeah yeah, exactly like you like doing hard things here you go here's a hard thing yeah yeah, no, I love that. that that's awesome. Um, and what kind of numbers carb intake wise are we looking at? Obviously, again, lots of variables here, but for anyone listening, going, okay, yeah, maybe I'm under my carbs. Um, what kind of yeah. calculations can we throw out there? Probably, so let's say we've got like your functional fitness athlete, someone training four, five times a, a week. I'd probably start off at about three grams of, of carbs per kilogram body weight. Um, someone who's maybe training a little bit more, training twice a day, I'd probably five-ish. For endurance athletes, so someone who's training for a marathon, I'd probably go more like five to six. Um, if someone is playing a team sport, it'd probably just be a bit more periodized around a game uh, a game situation. And it might be on the days that they're training less or they're, they're not training, you might be able to reduce it a little bit. but And then, then kind of increasing a little bit more when they get to um, like match day. Um, so yeah, I'd say three is a solid place to start if you're doing a little bit more increase it a little bit more again i think just be be curious with it of, of seeing what it's like to, to eat a little bit more how do you how do you perform um how does it make you feel uh and yeah going from there and obviously if 
we do up carbs, there might be a little bit of weight gain, which is nothing to worry about, you know, a bit of glycogen, a bit of water. Um, yeah, why is it that if a little bit of weight gain does happen when we up carbs, why, why is that not a problem? Why is that not a bad thing? And, and what kind of potential weight increases might someone expect to see just so they don't freak out if this does happen? Yeah, it's just it's just a case of water weight. So with one gram of carbs, we store three grams of water. Um, so yeah, it, it likely is just, you've just got a little bit of water retention and there's, it's not fat. Um, it's it's nothing. It's just it's just carbohydrates doing their thing. Yeah, perfect. That's it. Simple. So if we've got a, uh, a a woman listening and she's like, okay, um, you know, I'm happy with my body fat percentage, but I don't want it to go up. Um, but I do think that I'm probably underfueling a little bit and I'm scared of kind of upping those calories because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to gain any body fat. Um, how would we kind of address that? How would we kind of address that body image around, yeah, recovery, performance, under eating? Mm. I guess there's two parts to it. First up is actually looking at the data of if it's a body fat percentage, it's understanding what that actually means. And it's a percentage, so it's going to be a percentage of your total body. So you can gain fat and your body your body fat percentage not actually change because if you gain muscle with it as well, if you just generally gain weight because it's a percentage, if you gain muscle too, it might not change. So sometimes you do have to gain fat, but actually... The, the percentage won't change but that's just more like the the nitty-gritty and people understanding that i guess the bigger picture is ultimately gaining fat is, is scary um and i think a really easy thing to do is write a pro and con list of like okay what are the the pros of me actually increasing what i'm eating uh likely going to be like greater performance greater output better recovery probably more flexibility in terms of what you're eating better social life being able to be more present when you are out not worrying about like calories that you're eating when you're at a restaurant being having to have like better conversations with friends what are the cons might get a little bit of body fat clothes might not fit me quite so well that's probably it not not much that goes into it um and if that is the case uh again i think reminding yourself that fat loss can always be there and going in with that curiosity right i'm gonna see how it goes i know i can do fat loss most people can so if I, if I get there and I really, really hate it, I know that's still an option for me. Um, often it, people then realise that actually it's great and they have more energy and life is good. Um, but I think just knowing that, that, that you can, um, the option is there, is a, is a helpful place to be. But I think just really, this is a, a big thing of what I do with, with generally fat loss clients and people who come to me who are just generally struggling with, with how they look, is really starting to unpick body image and where their kind of thoughts, perceptions come from um even to one of the exercises I'll, I'll get them to do is what were you're aware of like your body from like a, a, a seven-year-old from like super super early on then what about as like an early um like a, a preteen? what about as a teen an early adult where you are now what were your perceptions of your body and looking at the influences behind it and usually there's like four main influences so one being um I guess like people around you um and the environment that you're in so whether that's conversations that you're having of in the office when everyone around you is on diet or it's little comments uh maybe you got a nickname that was around how you look um it might be an influence just general the societal influence that classic like barbie and ken literally from day dot when we when we're growing up those are the people that you kind of you grew up with even like cinderella and the ugly stepsisters they were the bannies they were ugly it's just these little things that are engraved in in how we how we perceive society. Um, then looking at were there any kind of like body changes? Often those who were like overweight growing up often have a worse body image than now, even if they are now no longer overweight. Um, so just kind of general body changes. And in the same way that someone who maybe once had acne, it's now cleared up, but they still have um, they're still kind of aware of their skin and, and have a, a worse idea of what it looks like. Um, and then also just some people are more predisposed to it just basically on, on kind of personality and, and qualities like that. So if you unpick those kind of four areas and, and start to understand why you think the way you think, you can start to learn that actually they're not necessarily my thoughts. They're, I'm here because of, of, of the influences. And once you know that, you've then got the power to change them. Um, so, so doing that, realistically, that is the hardship. It's not the eating more. It's the, the mindset of changing that. Okay, I can eat more, I can gain fat and that's okay um and and really starting to look at why you think the way that you do um and I guess the a really a, a practical thing so that's a lot of like deep work and lots of thought that goes into that but a practical thing is when we look at the overvaluation of of shape and weight um that's generally what drives a, a negative body image and so 
another analogy it's a bit of a shit one to be fair but I'm gonna go with it anyway so imagine I don't even know where I came up with this but imagine you're on the way to like a birthday a kid's birthday party that you organize you've got a bin bag and it's full of balloons at the moment the biggest balloon is your weight and your shape in there as well you've got other balloons that are a little bit smaller that maybe you've got a career maybe you have training you've got friends you've got relationships maybe you really like sewing or whatever it may be or your other hobbies um and at the moment we put most of our breath most of our energy in the big balloon and in order to deflate this we need to put more energy more breath into these other balloons and naturally there's only so much space in this bag of balloons that it will have to deflate the other balloon so by increasing by putting more energy into the other areas of our life outside of food and outside of training um we start to to see ourselves some more than just the way we look or, or our, our training and that's definitely a common question i ask is right okay what are your hobbies what do you like doing when you're not at the gym and literally so many people are like i don't know i don't know what i, I like lift doing. weights and i meal prep yeah yeah literally um and so it so putting this energy into other areas of your life and starting to see you more just the way you look or the the way you train is is a is a massive thing of experiencing yourself other than just the way you look yeah, no, I love that. I did a course quite a long time ago now um, with Luke Lerman of Muscle Nerds, if you're familiar with Luke, oh, yeah. uh-huh. all things metabolic syndrome. He started off with exactly that. He's going around the room, you know, what's your hobby? And obviously it's a room full of coaches. So of course, yeah. everyone's going to be like, all right, lifting weights. That's my hobby. I'm a meathead. Yeah. And I kind of clocked what he was doing. By the time he yeah. got to me, I was quite far back and I was like baking. And he just went, you're the first person that's like, <laughs> not said, not said lifting weights. Like you yeah. all need to get hobbies. Then he was yeah. like, baking what? And I was like, yeah, normally they're like healthy-ish, yeah. macro-friendly. <laughs> like, so even that isn't really, isn't really a hobby yeah. in terms of it's still fitness industry related. Mm-hmm. Um, so is that something you'll often try and get clients to do then? Is like, okay, maybe swap that training or reduce that training a little bit and actually like, you know, be curious with other areas of your life and, and find out kind of what your interests are away from health and fitness. 100%, yeah. Um, I also do like a, a rate your life exercise where we go through there's probably like eight areas on there training will be on there um career like money self-care uh like personal development lots of different areas and getting people to to rate their lives on like a scale of zero to ten um and on the ones that are a little bit lower we we again we can look at why they're lower but what can we do to helping increase those um and then get practical with it okay right what are some steps that you can do this week that are going to help to to boost that and again and it takes just the emphasis away from these other things and it might be that actually okay you rather than training on a Saturday for your sixth session of the week maybe you actually go for a walk because that's really important for your headspace or maybe you go and meet your mum for coffee because your relationship with her is really important um and it it might be that you like we we don't necessarily look at training again because a lot of people are just very emotionally linked to that and it, it might be that as a byproduct, they start to see that they don't need to train so much um, by, by putting more effort into, into these other areas. Uh, again, it's going to depend on the person and, and what you think their kind of personality is like. But ultimately, yeah, we, we look at the areas and, and see which ones that they feel like they're not rating so highly. Um, and looking at the limiting beliefs that go with those, often they're kind of hand in hand. Um, and so we often would say like a, a limiting belief is something that's stopping a number from being any higher um but actually the more I do it I often see that the areas that someone holds or someone marks themselves like an eight out of ten like a higher school often they have more limiting beliefs in those areas which is which is yeah it's fascinating um and often it's because they give themselves or, or they put more effort into it and so there's more opportunities to like hold yourself back basically um and so by looking at these limiting beliefs we can then again start to adjust what this rate your life scale is um which again just reduces the emphasis that we have on, on how we look i love that is it i forgot what they're called but is this kind of like one of those circles you pull like pull out and like ma- 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 yeah like, yeah 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 i don't i don't know what it's called when it ends up with like a little web yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Thing. so that's something you do or is we just like you just get people to put a number down one to ten yeah you can do it just put a number down yeah like yeah it's it's like the big circle with little circles in between and then there's the dots and you can yeah yeah yeah, I don't know what's called. Yeah, it's a cool yeah. little task that because yeah. it just really visually helps. Okay, my life's quite one dimensional, or like yeah. I'm lacking there. So. For sure, for sure. A pie chart is also another good one of of um, so how much time and, and effort, energy, money do you put into these areas of your life? And then you can often see that gym is a big one. Um, it might even be that the time you spend prepping or thinking about food is a big one, and then other areas are actually like a little bit smaller. Or yeah, it's it's a good way just to gauge take a step back and and I think it's so important to be honest with those and I'll, I'll often ask them so what like kind of not necessarily what they want it to be or 
or just writing down the things that are important to them and then being realistic with with putting them in order and then yeah we go with okay well how would you want that order to look like and then again it we, we see this kind of gap that we need to bridge and can come up with some practical solutions to to do that do you ever get clients that sign up to work with you thinking that they've got a, a performance-based or, or kind of a, a weight loss goal they kind of go through your you know onboarding process they're doing these tasks you're having them reflect on how they perceive their body image at certain you know ages growing up you're having them map out you know how they are kind of in different areas of their life do they ever turn around and go well, i've got different goals now like you've made me realize that maybe this wasn't that important to me or i need to put more energy in over there does anyone ever kind of do a 180 on why they yeah, signed like up with all you the time, yeah all the time. um which is kind of cool um, it's really cool yeah like i've had people full-on like change careers um like I'll, I'll wear multiple hats and it might be that we dive into like career if that's a, a big focus for them um and and so some people literally just change what they're doing in relationships um but yeah ultimately just because they realize they they think they're unhappy because again in society we um any kind of negative emotion we often just reflect it back internally so it could be that actually their relationship is really shit they don't feel valued at work um they're whatever it may be they're just not fulfilled in life and they just it's just because oh oh it's because I don't look a certain way and I'll feel all of these things when I do look a certain way um and so for for so many people yeah you you they never get or they might have been there where they 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 realized that they had been that kind of weight before and they weren't happy or we look at it okay so say maybe you were a certain way that was when you were happiest that was my happy weight a lot of people say that right and then we're like, okay, cool. Like, what else was going on in my life? Oh, um, oh, I hadn't had kids yet. I my relationship was great. I was doing well at work. I had so much time. And then you look at them now, like, oh, they've they've just had a kid. They're they're not like in the job that they wanted to be in. Loads of these other things. Um, and you're like, okay, right. Well, was it kind of makes sense? Yeah. Like if you're if you're not happy in yourself now, um, and giving yourself or, or prioritizing you to in order to to be happy and, and making time for you to be happy um it, it makes sense that you're that you're not so i think yeah it, it, it definitely happens a lot of the time when we start doing stuff and people start to realize that actually yeah they their goals do change um and it may be that they start to increase what they're eating and they start to see performance increase and they're like oh i actually really want to go after this um or actually yeah there's there's their goals just change in, entirely and they actually it also happens that a lot of the time maybe not a lot of the time but it's definitely having a fair few times where we realised that actually a therapist would be better for you. Mm. Like, for you to feel happy, this isn't to do with nutrition or how you look, but there's probably a fair bit of shit you need to unpick here. Um, and, and going to do that with someone who can help you is, is going to be way more beneficial. Yeah, 100%. At least once or twice a month, I have to kind of, yeah. I do a call with someone, a sales call, and I'm like, yeah, no, you need yeah. not me, basically. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I think partly my, like, induction form or the form I get people to, to fill out right at the start or before we even have, like, a discovery call it does go into like a lot of stuff and so so I get to understand where they've come from what their experience of dieting were like but growing up like what were the people around them doing mm. and so it kind of does set the tone a little bit um and even just that form some people are like oh it highlighted a quite a few things for me and I realized that this is this is kind of different to what to what I thought um yeah I was asking them the the difficult questions straight away yeah straight off the bat yeah you, you've listed some really awesome like tasks here um obviously that last one mapping out the different areas of your life reflecting on the kind of the different the different um perceptions of how you see yourself over the, over the years are there any other like key questions or key tasks that you would say you would love for people to take away from this episode and, and do in a kind of a self-reflective manner i think just get deep like that as, as you have to do the hard shit and I, that's probably like a quote on instagram somewhere like do the hard work it um, will be now you've said it here yeah. we'll definitely repurpose that <laughs> <And if laughs> that'll be a short that, that's it um but you do i think so much to do with 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 yeah you i guess body images isn't about your body it's about your perception of your body and there's so much that goes into that that you do just have to put in the work and i guess that's the biggest thing is is actually just be okay with that and know okay this is another bingo word that is like a wellness word a journey um which i hate it saying but it, it is it it really is like you it's not a linear process um there'll be steps forward there'll be steps back but as long as you're moving that's still part of the journey and just accepting that is it is there's going to be days where you do still feel shit where like we're human beings we we will always have negative emotions and i think probably a misconception about a positive body image isn't necessarily about like loving your body it's about actually accepting it and having more flexibility and, and neutrality with it and knowing that there'll be days where like you feel like uh 
like an actual potato and you're like well that's okay like I I don't have to change what I do today I don't have to adjust my diet or um go and train harder because I feel like an actual potato it's like that'll pass I got tomorrow I'll probably feel fine in a few few days I'll, I'll feel fine knowing that it will pass and it's just yeah being able to to ride that wave and um yeah and and the more that you're able to um okay this is you know this is like another thing but I think I think body checking is is probably a really easy one to 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 start or stop doing and acknowledging when you whether you look at yourself in a reflection when you when you walk past a window or maybe you do like monitor your your scale weight every day or you flex in front of the mirror at the gym like you can equally go the the other way if if we're striving for a bit more flexible like neutrality because often people when they get like a the body or the what fits the ideal um norm is then put, put on a pedestal right like we we start to encourage it people congratulate them so actually just going with like neutrality and um stopping the kind of the body checking um and i don't know where i was going with this but but yeah body checking in general is, is great oh, that's a great point the, the tangent came from somewhere else but i don't know where I, was, I wanted it to go but, but, but yeah thinking about body checking um and knowing that it's it's likely not going to be a helpful thing and is a is a really helpful thing just to help yourself feel, feel yeah. better I mean, body checking stuff, it's definitely something that's been normalised, hasn't it? If people, you're taking yeah. selfies in the gym, you're filming your sets, like mm. you, you're always doing it. I mean, have you ever kind of had a client where you've gone, do you know what, we really need to not do this? And have you ever like gone as far with them as saying like, hey, get rid of some mirrors, get rid of your scale? Like, is that something as drastic as you'd sometimes need to go with someone? Like, how much of a problem could this be? Yeah, I think like understanding what they do and when they do it. But so... Another thing I'll do is a, is a body checking diary. So get them to write down when they are doing it. The environment that they do it and like the, the situation, whether it's I got up um, and I weighed myself or I felt bloated. So I like adjusted the my trousers or whatever it may be. Um, or I was in the gym and I had just done some, I don't know, shoulder press. So I checked my shoulders um, and understanding when they did it where like but also the intentions behind it like what were you looking to get from it what did you actually get from it so that can work on like a, a positive way in terms of getting rid of scales definitely for there'll be somewhere like just you just need to get rid like you can put them in the other room like you know it's, again it's not unknown like it's not i'm never going to weigh myself again but them being in that bathroom and you getting on them every day is, is not going to be helpful um for some for some elements for body checking it might be that we do like a quota so it might be that you're allowed to check your reflection like three times in a day or it might be that we do it by like appointment only so in the same way that you'd go to you get your haircut at 7 p.m and if you miss that appointment then that's it you don't get your haircut so maybe that okay right I'm allowed to add up my calories at whatever time it may be and if I forget then that's it I, I don't get to do it so rather than the like oh I've just eaten lunch right that's another 500 calories whatever it may be so either eliminating it altogether or reducing it of why I'm going to do it X amount of times, giving yourself a little quota, delaying it. So, right, okay, I'm, I'm going to not do this now, but I'll, I can do it in 15 minutes um, or appointment only. Um, so sometimes it's not as extreme as just taking away completely. For some people, it might be the most helpful thing to do um, or it might be just, yeah, any one of those things. Yeah, I like that. So I guess you're, you're kind of just best matching where that client's at. Are they someone that would benefit more from mm-hmm. a little bit of a stricter removal or, or do they need that middle ground? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and seeing that. And I and I guess coming back to probably more answering your question of the, the body checking in from a more like a flexing muscles kind of way, selfies, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I think you you just have to have that honest conversation. Like, is this is this serving you, do you think? Um, like, how does it make you feel, right? How do you feel if you looked a certain way and then you were doing it? Um, getting them to think about that. I think a big one is getting people to to look at their social media and again depending on the client I can be like hey let like let me show me show me your Instagram what are the first like five people that come up on your stories what are the first five images go on your explore page what what's there um whether I do them with them or just get them to do it on their on their own um that's gonna, gonna depend um but a lot of the time it will be like just people in the gym yeah. again it, it, it's in the same way that people don't have many hobbies out of outside of training and, and fitness instagram is often a very accurate reflection of that and so okay we're like right this isn't helping the problem and a lot of people are like well it's it's inspiration for inspiration is a thing but there's now like actual studies that show that yes it increases motivation to go and do these things but it actually doesn't change people's action mm. so it, it isn't having any impact actually it's just making you feel shit so it's not serving you so we can we can and again like it's not a we're never going to follow these people again but you can easily follow them again or maybe just mute them if it's a pal and you don't want to feel bad um yeah so it's 
it's going to depend on on the client but I think definitely sometimes the the positive body checking is equally just just not as helpful because it just it puts the the ideal standard on a on a pedestal even though it makes you feel good but it becomes conditional and I think that's a big one is is hey maybe I'd prefer to be smaller but it's not the end of the world if I do it's not that conditional kind of situation yeah that's a really important point because people spend so much time on Instagram mm. like if, if we are looking at making a you know a, a mindset shift and identity change you you've got to consider what you're consuming through social media yeah 100 it's, it's it's such a big part of our lives um we spend so much time on it and and just being able to cultivate a social media feed that actually does um serve you and i think uh, like following people who are of different body sizes whether you follow someone who is in a bigger body and it's definitely and i was probably the same actually of of like finding it uncomfortable to start with like like why is this but actually just like doing it and getting used to seeing different body types and then you start to see that actually it's just a very normal thing yeah. like the the fitness industry no one like we don't all look a certain way anyone can be in a gym anyone can train but instagram just makes it look a certain way so at, like seeking out people who are in bigger bodies and are on a similar journey to you and who are maybe ahead of you in your in your journey um is a is a really helpful way and it, it might seem uncomfortable and weird um but yeah it's probably just a sign that you need to do even more I love that. That's another great little task people can yeah. take away. So hopefully there's going to be a little bit of journaling, mapping and some uh, Instagram unfollows yeah, that occur from this episode. Definitely. What three things would you just love all women out there that are into their health and fitness to know about nutrition, body image or change um, or training, sorry, um, or maybe not necessarily things that you'd like them to know, but like mindset shifts you'd like them to have? Like what are the kind of the two or three main, main things? Um. I guess I'll bring it back to my little like wellness bingo of be curious like actually no no matter what you can do I guess this there aren't really going to be specific things but no matter what your goal is is actually just be curious with it and give things a go trial error compromise that's that's going to be a thing that's going to be hugely important um and just know that you can always do things differently you you are a product of your experiences your perceptions and you can change those things you can change the way you think um and that is the the real hardship I love that. And bonus point for more carbs. Yeah, and to see a little bit more carbs. Have a bagel. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Um, Sammy, where can people find out a little bit more about what you're up to? Obviously, you've got some exciting kind of projects coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, so t- tell me a little bit about what they are um, with the sports teams, etc. Then where can people find out a bit more about those projects yourself and your content? So I am currently just putting together, it's going to be a pre-season programme. So for those who, it, to be fair, it can be relevant to whether you are like off season in in like a crossfit functional fitness or an actual sports team when you're in the off season now pre-season is starting um it's going to be six weeks of coaching lots of of education just to understand where you should be now um tapping into loads of things like carbohydrate periodization uh understanding what your individual energy demands are all that kind of stuff the good stuff touching on supplements um I'm also hopefully well. I've I've mind mapped. That's as far as we've got with a body image course and a relationship with food. Oh, cool! Which I would love it to be a cross between like group coaching and one to one. So somewhere in the middle, of probably like tennis people, um, and so we can get into some of this this deep shit because often we have the same thoughts, yeah. and it's really helpful to do that in a, an environment that feels safe and encouraging. Um, so yeah, it's very much a mind map. But I'd love it to to be a thing when I have the time to to put it together. Um, but yeah, all of that will be on my Instagram, Sammy's Scoop. Um, yeah, and and more of what we've everything we've discussed. Yeah, I love that. And um, obviously, you are no longer with your previous employer. So availability for new clients or any coaching program launches or or anything people can check out if they're interested in working with you. Yeah. So in in the next kind of. Uh, couple of months ish it's going to be mainly focused on the the six weeks of um pre-season programming i might have one or two one-to-one spaces but i'm, I'm kind of at capacity now um which is is really exciting to yeah. be fair um so yeah definitely uh if you're keen for coaching getting touched like asap um and we can see what we can do if you are want to play a team sport again now's the time um but i'm always gonna have a wait list anyway so um there'll be stuff that we can do Amazing. And is there anything that you'd like to add to just what we spoke about today? Anything that we've kind of missed or anything that's come to mind now that you'd like? I just want to just want to share that to kind of round off that conversation. Um, I don't think so. I think carbs are a big one. <laughs> just go and go and eat some carbs, have a bowl of pasta, enjoy it, go and eat it with your family. Enjoy everything that goes with that. The conversations you have, uh, the taste, the, the carbs that are going to help you train 
Um, also a hot cross bun. That is my number That's one favorite food. Yeah. That's your thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So 10 out of 10 would recommend uh, get yourself a hot cross bun. I love that. As far as our summaries go, that, that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> um, what I'll maybe d- do if you're happy to is just write like a very short summary of kind of those key tasks and like actionable points that you've said today. And I'll get those in the show notes Yeah, for sure. because I know, I don't know about you, I consume a lot of podcasts. Yeah. You don't always take action from them. I'd hate for that to be the same for anyone listening to this one, considering there are so many like amazing points in there. So if we can just have like a short bit of writing, kind of explaining those, those key kind of tasks that you'd recommend people do to work on that, that yeah. body image, then I think that'd be really, really Absolutely. powerful for people. Yeah. Put stuff into action for sure amazing i mean thank you so much for coming on today i really appreciate that it's such an important topic and i really really enjoyed kind of getting into that with you so thank you so much for being here thank you leo thanks for having me